friends, I'm wishing you and yours a happy Pride Month. And as we celebrate, I also want to make sure that we keep in mind that the fight for our rights is a 12-month-a-year, round-the-clock commitment. It's currently a very scary and troubling time out there for the greater LGBTQ community. And let's not forget that as much progress as we've made, there's still so, so much more left to do. So take some time to donate, volunteer, get informed, get people around you informed, do whatever you can do to help. And if you need help or someone to talk to, know that there are so many resources out there like the Trevor Project, GLAAD, and the Human Rights Campaign. And it's always good to get involved on a local level as well. All right, now let's start the show. Hi, Dick. How's it going? Going well. And you? Good. We're not uh, podcasting just yet. Cool. So I can tell you the truth. Okay. I'm terrible. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Good to know. Going into this, you're in a terrible place. Here we go. I'm in the worst place of my life, Tig. And we're rolling. This podcast is all I have. <laughs> this podcast is all I have. <laughs> This is Don't Ask Tig. I'm Tig Notaro. And since pearls of wisdom aren't vegan, you won't find any on this show. My guest today is a stand-up comic, actor, and writer. His resume includes shows like Good Trouble, Adam Ruins Everything, and the hit film Friendsgiving. He's performed stand-up on talk shows like Ellen and Conan and created, wrote, and starred in the GLAAD Award-nominated TV series Take My Wife. You can stream his special A Different Kind of Dude on Comedy Central's YouTube channel. River Butcher, welcome to Don't Ask Tig. Oh my God, Tig. Thanks for having me. So happy to be here. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for reading all that. That was nice to hear. <laughs> well, you've done a lot. A lot of, <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did do those things. I don't even know when we met. I mean, I feel like we met out here, right? Possibly. Well, I did see you as a fan, not a comic yet, in Chicago. Oh, nine or 2010, somewhere in there. Oh, you did? Where? I don't remember the name of the venue. I don't even know if it's a venue anymore, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> Wait, we met then when you weren't a comedian? Yeah, yet? I said hi. Oh. <laughs> and took a photo, I think. I lost the photo, though. Lost All it on right. MySpace somewhere. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Funny? It was MySpace days. Oh, yeah. MySpace days. Is that... At all happening or yeah. functioning? Oh, really? It's still there. Like, I used to have a joke about it, which was not a good joke, but that you could log into your MySpace using Facebook. <laughs> I highly doubt Friendster is still going. Or is it? Oh, my God. I wish. Oof, we should pause the podcast and check it out. That feels like the right name for a social media platform. Totally. Friendster. Somebody should reboot Friendster. Yeah. Because no Gen Z people even know what that is. And mm -mm. so they would be like, this is great. <laughs> I mean, we're way past 2010. You're a oh, yeah, successful yeah. comedian. You are currently on tour. Yep. How's the road treating you? 
I mean, the road's good. You know, mm-hmm. I'm doing a lot more clubs than I've done before. Uh-huh. And so that's like, I mean, you know, that's like a totally different muscle than doing like a theater for sure. <laughs> it's very yeah. different than that. Yeah. And even just like you've done sort of like music, indie, mm-hmm. like alternative venues too. It's like, you know, way different than that. So yeah. it's not a negative thing. It's just like it's work. Mm-hmm. Some of the sets, it's like, oh, I'm I'm working right now. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> I am like pushing this up a hill or whatever and like we're having fun and i'm having fun but it's work you know and then there's some sets that you're like that's the thing about clubs though is that the friday night late show over the weekend was like fun Mm -hmm. i think in part was because the early show was like work you know so it's just kind of like an interesting i don't know it's just an interesting like new practice and way of working things out and so when you say you're doing more clubs than you have, what were mm-hmm. you doing before? I did a theater tour mm-hmm. once. And so that was like, you know, 1500. It's not like giant theaters or anything mm-hmm. like that. 1500 is big, not diminishing that. And then I did sort of like music venues. And what is your favorite type of venue to perform in? For me, it's hard to say one thing over the other. Although I do think that I like the music venue vibe because it's like smaller and intimate and mm-hmm. typically the audience is comprised of a majority of people who came to see you Mm -hmm. as opposed to a comedy club where like maybe 50% sometimes, you know, like sometimes it's like a season ticket holder and they're just like, let's go do this, you know? Yeah. It's like, oh, this person's from Comedy Central. Let's go see comedy (laughs) tonight. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. exactly. This straight white guy is from Comedy Central. Yeah. I'm like, well, I got a lot of things I got to let you know about. But it's I mean, it's just like a challenge in a different way because like Mm -hmm. it's still funny. So it doesn't matter. (laughs) Bring it, you know, speaking of of going on stage in middle America Mm -hmm. and you're, as you just said, that people would say, oh, here's a straight white guy. And then you're like, oh, I have, I have some other things to tell you about myself. How, how does it go over? Um, when you explain, I mean, I think here's, what's funny about it, Tig, is that tell me, I I will Tig. So Tig, (laughs) (laughs) I forget that I need to say those things. Yeah. Because I'm me. I'm yeah. sure you can relate to this. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, <laughs> I, I don't mean to like assume things. I just forget, you know? Yeah. And so then sometimes what I learned in Los Angeles is like, I'll just start telling these jokes and people don't realize. Like, I opened for my friend Mateo Lane. He was mm-hmm. at the Ace Theater. Mm-hmm. And that's like, you know, a gay audience, but they don't know who I am. They're mm-hmm. his audience. Yeah. And I just like made this assumption like, oh, all these people know that I'm trans. Like all mm-hmm. these people know this. Right. And what I've learned is they don't. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> because yeah. like, you know, uh not to I don't want to get into all the specifics and ethics yeah. of passing and all that business or whatever. Because it's not up to me. It's just like I forget that that's what's happening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Like yeah. I forget that that's going on. And uh, it's fascinating to me. Like, I've never said this joke out loud because I forget every time I'm on stage. But my lived experience is that everyone thinks I'm a girl in every space that I'm in. And what I've realized now is, like, the only person in a show that thinks I'm a girl is me. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't think I am because I know I'm not. Yeah, yeah. Now, you're from Ohio. Yes. So you've talked about the cultural differences between what we might call red and blue states. And what do you think is most important for people from one side 
of that divide to understand about the other. I just don't think there's actually sides, you know, especially Mm -hmm. not when you talk about like the state level. Mm -hmm. I think it's become a convenient way to discuss political views, but I think that it's dripped down too much to it's just become a black and white thing. It's either a red state or a blue state. And Mm -hmm. I think it's easy to forget that those states are actually places where lots of people live. Mm-hmm. And I can sort of circle it back to the question that you just asked me that I didn't really answer, which is like, how did it go over or how does it go over in the sort of like middle America audiences? Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is at my last show on a Sunday, so I had, you know, a feature that was doing 20 minutes and like right in the middle of his set, I was in the green room listening. Are you seriously sitting in the front row in a MAGA hat right now? I knew his set from the weekend. So I was like, that must actually be happening. So I like put my head out and I was like, holy shit, (laughs) there's a dude in a mega hat in the front row. And I was like, like honestly freaking out, you know, just going like, what am I going to do? Like, how is this? Like just losing it, you know? And I texted a couple of comic friends and like calmed down and remembered like, oh, this is my job and this is what I do. And like, it's going to work out. Mm Mm-hmm. First, I was like, I'll kick him out. And I was like, I'm not going to kick him out. That's what he wants to do to me. Maybe, you know, like I'm not going to do back. Yeah. Just like without, right. and, you know, the hat is a statement, but I don't know. I don't know what he means by that, actually. That's a pretty big statement, you know? And so I ended yeah. up doing it and I didn't change any of my jokes and he didn't leave and everything was all right. Yeah. You know? And so, yeah. Yeah. I don't want to diminish anything that's going on because I, thinking fascism is not just on the rise, but already happening. And that's what it is, you know? Yeah. But at Mm -hmm. the same time, we still are people. Mm -hmm. I try to do my best to separate the actual people from the laws that are being passed in states, because I know that not everyone in that state, like, agrees with that or wants that or believes in it. I think each side actually needs to see it that way, that, like, None of us are monoliths, you know, like the state of Texas has Mm -hmm. a lot of people in it. And I think that it's easy also to forget that, you know, queer people live in these places and to Mm -hmm. boycott them or avoid them or diminish them. You're also diminishing those people, too. My like wrath is with those in power, not the actual people in the state. I agree. And, you know, being from Mississippi, I feel very strongly that. You can't just push an entire state Mm -hmm. aside because of, you know, it falls in a red Mm -hmm. or blue category because there are individuals that live there. (laughs) And, you know, I I remember I was in uh, Jackson, Mississippi, and had just received an award for something and was walking down the street with my brother and stepfather and this guy that was in a restaurant saw me came running out, chased us down, and just said, thank you so much for shining a light on Mississippi and not forgetting all of us and not, you know, treating us like we are all one type of Mm -hmm. person. And it was so meaningful and touching to me. You know, everybody is everywhere, all types of people. And uh, I think that... It's important to yeah to keep that in mind. 
But uh, we are, you know, a podcast here to give mm -hmm. people out there in the world help with advice. And I'm curious if you're okay to yeah. move over into that portion of the show. Let's and move on over. I'm down. All right. Our first question is from a stand-up fan who wants the Ooh. inside scoop. Annie writes, Hey, Tig, I'm planning on getting tickets to one of your upcoming shows. I cannot wait. I'm trying to decide if I should get tickets to the early show or the later show. Weighing the pros and cons, I thought, why not go straight to the source? <laughs> Which one do you advise well, I go to? Which one is going to be better and funnier so I can really get my money's worth? Thanks. Wow. River. I mean, how do you possibly answer how this? How do you possibly answer mm -hmm. this? My brain is going a million yeah. miles a minute because I'm thinking of all the logistics of so many things. I'm like, well, what city is this in? How long have you been touring? <laughs> Where is this on the stuff? What day of what the day week, of the week is, it? is it? Is it a seven o'clock show or shows? is it an eight o'clock show? Is it nine yeah. thirty or is yeah. it ten thirty? What have we got going on? And then you take all of that information, you swirl it around, and <laughs> there's still, still like, no sense <laughs> to be made. You're like, okay, well, it all teed up for the early show That's to be great, right. but that was the worst show of my career. That's right. Yeah. And so, yeah. Annie, I mean, you have to take a gamble as much as comedians right. take a gamble. I mean, we are gambling every, every second of our night. Lives. <laughs> every second it's a gamble. So, Annie... I mean, it's you're rolling the dice. We're rolling the dice. I'll see you soon, whether it's early or late. River, sit tight. More questions after a very quick break. At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts. If you're shopping while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast, then you know and love the thrill of the hunt. But are you getting the thrill of the best deals? Rakuten shoppers do. They get the brands they love with the most savings and cash back. You can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Macy's, Sephora, and Zappos. And even stack deals on top of cash back. It's easy to use and you get your cash back through PayPal or check. The idea is simple. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. And we're back. River, this next question is all about making a dramatic exit. Ooh. Robert writes, without having a door to slam or a phone cradle, how does one storm off in a virtual environment? <laughs> I mean, don't you just walk off? Uh, is this a virtual environment like The Sims or like a Zoom? 
Yeah, I, I assumed it was a Zoom. <laughs> I do my show holding a gavel. Nice. It's just something I hold on to when I'm doing my uh, podcast. When did that pop into your life? I mean, for years. I I was on an episode of Sarah Silverman's I Love You, America. Uh-huh. And I was on a segment where I was learning to be an auctioneer. <laughs> and the auctioneer that was teaching me gave oh, me wow. this gavel. And my name is oh, wow. engraved on it. Does it say Colonel? Um, Colonel Tignataro. <laughs> wow, yeah. yeah. But I, it's on my desk. And I just, um, I just have it in my hands when I'm doing my podcast. And so I guess I could storm off and be like, yeah. You know, just, I don't know if I just ruined the sound quality of the show, but it feels like you, it's even more effective if you get up from your seat and you storm, they see you storming away from your Zoom. Yeah. I mean, I think there would be mouths agape. Absolutely. I mean, you could also type, you know, the classic like asterisk storms off asterisk into the chat then get up do it you Ooh, know? and then act oh, it out and do yes. a little you know grover from sesame street near far kind of a thing with the camera you know uh-huh or you could say something like you sicko <laughs> and then just hang up or block your camera and then see if you can hear them talk about you <laughs> yeah you're all out of order something like that yeah yes exactly <laughs> These are great ideas. All right. Well, there you go. Robert, try that and write me back. Also, I'm curious as to why you're needing to storm off in the first place. Yeah. I mean, that might be what you really need advice about, but. Yeah. River, you've spoken in your stand-up about your personal pronouns, which are he, him. Yeah, that's right. I'm hoping you can help our next listener who's currently navigating their own pronoun journey. Oh, great. George writes... After a lifetime of identifying as female, I recently discovered that I am non-binary. It was such a relief. I have a very accepting and loving family, but I work as a horse riding instructor for people from many different backgrounds who may not understand or accept me being non-binary. Do I tell them? Do I ask them to call me my preferred name, George, instead of Georgia? Do I try to enforce my pronouns, they, them? Or do I just happily go about my life knowing that I know who I am and let them call me what they feel comfortable with? Mm. I think my answer to that is yes. (laughs) (laughs) And just plug that into anywhere? Well, I mean, that's the thing is like what I've learned because I'm not not non-binary, but I just think I had a not a phase, but a moment where in between understanding like, oh, I'm actually a trans man. Like before mm-hmm. I needed to walk through that space to understand myself as like part mm-hmm. of my journey of understanding what was going on for me. Yeah. And I felt the same way as George, which is like, I felt like a relief, you know, or I was like, oh, okay. And then I felt more relief when I realized like, oh, I'm actually like a dude <laughs> and that's cool. Yeah. And so it's not like I'm not non-binary. It's just that I am a dude, but like sort of inside spiritually and then in my sort of like understanding of the world is like non-binary. So uh-huh. I had a similar experience to George about like, people not calling me the name that I use. I also just offer like, and I had to learn this too, that like preferred is just not a thing anymore. And it's actually just like, George is my name. I used to go by this name Mm -hmm. and George is my name now. Like it's not, I don't have preferred pronouns. I just have pronouns and these are what they are, you know? Right. And the thing is like, what I had to learn is 
sometimes I had to tell somebody a couple times and then uh-huh. I had to learn my point of like, okay, I've told them enough times. It's kind of on them and I'm not going to take it personally when they keep calling me something that I don't like because they know that yeah this is not about me <laughs> yeah this this is their mm-hmm. inability to do it and in some cases yeah. i had to ask people for help you know like uh on a set mm-hmm. where like i was continually the only person that was saying like please stop calling me she you know like and had to say like can you talk yeah. to this person and they did and it changed yeah because sometimes some people it takes someone else to like make them validate what you're saying which is you know unfortunate but Mm -hmm. it's just the way that the world works so essentially i would say to george like you're on your journey of understanding the importance of these things to you Mm -hmm. and you're in a space and we're continually in spaces where people just don't understand and like i got to a place where i did feel solid enough in myself that when those things came at me, they just sort of flew by. Mm -hmm. But I do think it was part of my understanding of myself as like, once I started using he and started looking more like myself, it just is like a non-issue. I couldn't tell you the last time somebody used my old name that wasn't like in a text thing or something. And nobody's mistaking you for she, her. That just just doesn't doesn't happen happen anymore. anymore. And how do you feel when somebody does understand and then they slip up Mm -hmm. or make a mistake because they've known Mm -hmm. you for maybe decades? That's exactly how I feel. I'm like, the only people that call me by my old name are people that I've known for a really long time. And I know that that's what it is. Uh There's this quote by Leslie Feinberg, which is like, I've had people treat me with respect using the wrong pronouns. And I've had people Mm -hmm. treat me with disrespect using the right one. So it's like each individual interaction is its own thing. It's intention. Yeah. And I can't always fully know all of it. And Mm -hmm. I don't also want to ignore that it's like, it's incredibly taxing. (laughs) Like it was Mm -hmm. very, it was very taxing for like a long time, you know? Yeah, I'm sure. But once I got right with myself and understood myself and was like, this is like not up for debate, it became less taxing because I was just like, this is this person's issue. Mm Mm-hmm. It's actually not mine. And there's not something I could be doing differently. Like once I spoke up for myself and was like, this is what it is. And so like, mm-hmm. please get on board. <laughs> and then if they can't, it's like, toot toot, train's leaving the station. You're not on board and I'll see you later. Yeah. yeah. I try to have as much grace for other people with my name or pronouns or whatever, especially like in my family, because that's a little harder. I have to remember that, you know, there are people in my life that have changed their name and pronouns and I slip up because I'm a human being, you know, like yeah. one of my best yeah. friends from since we were 10, she's trans and my brain does not think of her name when I think of her. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, yeah. there it is. It makes sense. It's not intentional, but I just practice slowing down even more when I'm talking to her because I'm just like, I don't want to dead name her because I know for her it's really painful and i'm just like okay heard Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know (laughs) i will slow down you know (laughs) i feel like i've mentioned this i bring it up all the time just because it was such a a moment that i love in my life that pertains to this my stepfather had come to visit and this was like nine Mm -hmm. years ago and Stephanie's mother at the time was dating this man whose child was transitioning Mm. female to male Mm -hmm. and did not look male yet. 
And so I told my stepfather, who did not live in a progressive area, was 75 years old, you know, just not his world at all. And I said, hey, I just want to give you a heads up. Jim's child will be joining us for dinner, and they are going to look like a female, Mm -hmm. but is transitioning to male, and goes by he and him. Mm -hmm. This was eight years ago when it wasn't even as much of a conversation as it is now. And my stepfather said, well, I'll call anybody whatever they want me to call them. (laughs) Yeah. And he had no follow-up questions. It was just like, yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how he spent the evening was calling somebody by the name that they chose and using he, him pronouns. And I was just like, that's awesome. Yeah. It really is that simple. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah. I used to have a joke about it. Like, you know, if somebody was named Richard and they were like, hey, I'm Richard. And you're like, what's up, dick? You know, it's like, why would you mm -hmm. do that? You know, like you're the dick, (laughs) you know, like you're you're being purposely rude, you know. And I also understand it's a little more complicated than that because of perception and all those things. But that perception is just something is is also an illusion, you know, because like these things Mm -hmm. that we perceive as female and male are not a monolith. (laughs) <laughs> you know, they're just mm-hmm. not. So, yeah, that's awesome that your stepdad was like, sure, whatever, you know. And I, that's yeah. the thing I would say to George is, you know, it's easy and I'm doing it to focus on the people who aren't going to do it right. But what kept giving me the ability and like faith and, and uh, confidence to continue to stand up for myself or just like stand in my truth as opposed to like not stand up for myself but stand up for myself was all the people who mm-hmm. were like your stepdad who were like great sounds mm-hmm. good whatever you know yeah. who were like into no it but it's also not a big deal you know like um because it can also go the other way where somebody's like so supportive that you feel like i don't know like an an exhibit at a science museum or something you know <laughs> where you're like right, okay right. can we stop talking about it now because i really don't want to talk about this all night <laughs> so you know it's really just yeah. that those people and no one is better than anyone else it's just like mm-hmm. i'm grateful for the whole experience as difficult as it could be because i i got to have people like your stepdad who were just like i don't know how what his age is but you know just be surprised you know like there's a woman that i'm pals with in texas who's like you know we've been friends for a little while and uh she knew me before i even was doing like they them and stuff like that and recently was like well i mean you know i've just always known you as a guy like even before you told me like i just that's always how i related to you as a guy and i was like this is so powerful (laughs) you know to be like yeah you really saw me even though you know we didn't talk about it until now it's just cool i think also something that's really wonderful that you work with animals they don't really care about any of this and so you get to just hang out with these creatures that like love you and love to be around you so i feel like anytime it doesn't go the way you wish it would go. You can just sort of connect with those animals who, who like love and appreciate you for who you are, you know, beyond the binary and all this other human business. I just always go back to, we're all alive on this planet and should be able to live happy, mm-hmm. thriving lives. And let me do my thing. Yeah. I'm not mm-hmm. harming you in the slightest yep. bit. Let me do my thing. 
and I know that that's obvious to me and you, but when I just look at people harassing others or refusing to let them, I mean, just flat out live. Mm-hmm. And that's what it is. You are living. It's so obvious, but it's it's not to everyone, but it's necessary. It's it's people need to be able yeah. to live. And so George, I wish you the absolute best and congratulations on your journey and River. Totally. I wish you all the best. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break to answer a question that came in our therapy etiquette inbox. This segment is where we answer those awkward questions we all have as people getting the professional help we need and deserve and is sponsored by BetterHelp. Today's question was sent in from a listener named Chris. Chris writes, Hi Tig, longtime listener, first time questioner. I recently lost a close friend of mine in a car accident, and honestly, I'm devastated by his sudden death. I'm feeling heartbroken, and the grief feels overwhelming sometimes. I've been trying to power through with work and being out in social situations, but I'm still feeling the heaviness and loss. My sister suggested that I consider seeing a therapist to help me work through my grief, but honestly, the thought makes me anxious. I'm embarrassed to admit that I felt like therapy was for people that are consistently, quote-unquote, unstable. And plus, as a guy, I feel like I should be able to handle my grief on my own. What can I do to manage my anxiety and feel more comfortable about starting therapy? Oh, man. Chris, I am so sorry to hear about losing your friend so suddenly. From your brief message, it seems like you're able to name your feelings of overwhelm and grief. That's so incredibly normal, even if others experience grief differently. It seems like you want to do something more for yourself to start healing, even if you're ambivalent about therapy. I'm also hearing that you're really self-aware about how men are socialized to think about mental health therapy and feelings in general, I guess. And even today, there's a unique stigma around seeking therapy as a man. There's a lot of pressure to hold it together and seem, quote unquote, stable. But there's nothing stable about a sudden and traumatic loss. And you mentioned you're having trouble dealing with it alone. I I wonder if you can think of a first therapy meeting as just an experiment, something you can try out knowing you can always find a better match that makes you comfortable, or even put it aside if it feels really forced. I'm wondering if you'd be interested in maybe a men's group or a grief group. I mean, I know that could seem like a heavy lift right now, but it's possible You could feel a little less alone working through your feelings with other guys in similar situations and sharing vulnerability with others could maybe help reset the narrative that men need to sit with their pain alone. Everything you've said here is also great to bring to a a first intake session with a potential therapist. How they respond will be informative. 
Is this someone who sees your hesitation while empowering you to get the help you need? Okay, well, I hope this helps. And again, Chris, I am so, so sorry to hear about your loss. As always, thank you to our therapy etiquette sponsor, BetterHelp. If you have any questions about the unspoken rules of therapy etiquette, share them with us by calling 833-275-8444 or visiting don'tasktig.org slash contact. Now let's get back to the show. We've got one more segment before we go. Please join me inside the confession booth. Welcome to the confession booth. The Don't Ask Tig Confession Booth features listeners sharing secrets they've never told anyone in order for us to give them the advice they're afraid to ask for. Today's confession was submitted by Rachel. Rachel writes, Hi, Tig and guest. When my daughter first got a phone at age 11, the deal was that I could read her texts to be sure there was nothing unsafe or inappropriate going on, and there never was. When she turned 12, I agreed I wouldn't read them anymore because she felt like she couldn't speak openly to her friends about stuff like crushes, for example, if she knew I'd see it. But I still secretly read her texts. I get that she needs to feel like her conversations are private, but I also think she's too young to be texting and on social media with no oversight. So what do I do when I see something in her texts that I'd like to talk to her about? How can I bring it up without revealing that I've basically been spying on her? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, oh, Rachel. First of all, I think it's really important to make sure that kids aren't getting phones or on social media or publicly on social media until a certain mm -hmm. point. I mean, our sons have this, um, they have these little tablets. Mm -hmm. They think they're iPads and they are... So far from being <laughs> yeah. iPads, <laughs> they can barely watch or yeah, do yeah. anything. And they think when they go to school that they're talking to their friends about video mm -hmm. games and TV shows and in, in ways that Stephanie and I are like cracking up. <laughs> like they don't even realize they're not really playing yeah. video yeah. games. So it's tricky because even if kids get a phone or are online and social media at what would be, quote-unquote, an appropriate age, it does still seem like you have to monitor mm -hmm. things. And I really feel like I'm unfortunately the worst person <laughs> to ask about this because my kids, are they'll be seven next wow. month. And I also feel like... I feel like I'm so behind the curve. Mm -hmm. uh, Stephanie's, that's her strength in our relationship. We, I mean, we have plenty of different strengths, but that's one where I feel like she has a better understanding of technology mm -hmm. and things like that. Humbly, like I'm not a parent and I can't even imagine, mm -hmm. you know, the thing that's sticking out to me is that to me, it's two separate things, which is mm -hmm. one is social media, which I feel like I would concede to the like, yeah, I think there's. A lot of potential for, you know, danger <laughs> in those things and also just like... Yes, so much. You know, so I can see, you know, limitations and but 
I would, as a parent, want to be very open about the fact that, like, hey, social media is basically like me dropping you off at the mall, except the mall is the entire globe. <laughs> you know, so yeah. I'm going to keep an eye on right. that. My partner writes a journal, and we've never had the conversation about, like, don't read it. I just mm-hmm. respect that space, yeah. you know? Yeah. Now, if I were to go past my own boundary and read that, mm-hmm. I would then have to pay the consequences of knowing what's in there. Mm-hmm. And so I unfortunately am like, you are breaking the trust that you have with your child by bringing something up in a text message. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know what the issues are. They must not be that detrimental because I think she probably would have taken care of it already. You know, if it, we're talking about like a mental health break yeah. or something like that. But mm-hmm. I just think that we live in this society now that like does not trust kids. Like, we don't trust kids to develop their own selves, you know? And I think, you know, we're mm-hmm. we're seeing that with these trans kid laws of, like, taking kids away from parents. And, like, children should have autonomy. Like, at, the older they get, that's part of raising mm-hmm. kids. And I just think that texting is not as out there, you know? Like, it's not that different than sitting on the phone for two hours with your friend and building mm-hmm. that, you know? Yeah. And I think that... To, like, let your child know that you were spying on their personal text messages with their friends. I don't know if breaking that level of trust with your child outweighs the issues that you want to bring up with them. Or it might be a matter of you might have to just stop doing it right now. (laughs) Yeah. Stephanie and I talk all the time about just the idea of raising our children, trying to create a safe fun, mm-hmm. healthy environment, bringing who we hope are positive role models into their lives, safe, positive people. And kind of the best you can do is put a fence up around their life. <laughs> yeah. And that's the big boundary. Yeah. And then what happens within there is the freedom. Yeah. And, and it also always goes back to communication. And I know this is so, I'm, I'm embarrassed to even talk about this because my kids are almost seven. You know, I don't, I don't have the experience of a 12-year-old. Mm-hmm. But what I do know is that no matter how old kids are, who you are as a parent, you're always going to have these moments where you get upset or you, you might come across as the disciplinarian. Mm-hmm. But what you want ultimately, is for that openness in communication Mm -hmm. to remain between you and your child so that if there is something that isn't Mm -hmm. quite right or they're flagging as unsafe, that they will tell you. But again, (laughs) I don't know. I I really don't know. It's like you're saying, there's like an ever-changing balance in building Mm -hmm. trust with your child in communication and trusting that they will come to you is how you Mm -hmm. allow them to come to you. Like, you can't go Mm -hmm. to them and say, like, but I know you have this thing going on because I read your text messages. Like, imagine if that was you, you know? Like, imagine if that was Mm -hmm. you. How would you feel? You probably wouldn't feel safe to tell that person what's going on for you because they just broke your trust. Yeah, and so that's why I think that you can let it all be a wash and just stop right now, Rachel, (laughs) and then work directly on the communication with your child. Mm -hmm. 
So, yeah. And since this is a confession booth, should we assign any penance for Rachel? I mean, I think the penance is every time you want to read a text, you don't. (laughs) (laughs) And here's what you do is you listen to your favorite song. Oh, okay. And the song can change. Every time you want to do that, you don't do it and you do something else. Mm-hmm. that is positive and that you enjoy or maybe you dance or something you know whatever but just it's not a task or a chore it's like something that you're like i like this and that's what i'm gonna do instead of reading my kids text messages <laughs> all right rachel in order to be absolved of your sin you must not do it anymore <laughs> and listen to your favorite song <laughs> river it's been great talking to you thank you so much for joining me oh my god take thanks so much for having me been so great. Do you have anything you'd like to uh, mention? I just recorded a special in Portland, and I'm really excited for you all to see it. And uh, when that comes out, should be soon. And then, yeah, I have this new podcast that just came out with Gabe Dunn called The New Guys. So check that out wherever you listen to podcasts. Amazing. I hope to see you again. Oh yeah, sooner than later. Sooner than 2010. <laughs> That's right. Alrighty. Bye. Bye. Also, remember that I'm still on the road. I'll be in Jacksonville, Oregon, July 21st, Eugene, Oregon, July 22nd, Colorado Springs, September 25th, Breckenridge, Colorado, September 28th, Boulder, Colorado, September 29th, and Brooklyn, New York, November 4th at King's Theater. Come on out. Go to tignotaro.com for all show links and ticket information. Tig is hosted by me, Tig Notaro. It's produced by Thomas Willett and Shayna Deloria. Our executive producer and editor is Beth Perlman. Engineering and sound mixing by Alex Simpson, Derek Ramirez, Josh Savageo, and Evan Clark. Digital production by James Napoli. Talent booking by Marianne Ways. Our theme music is Friend in Tig by Edie Burkell and Kyle Crusham. And Listen to Your Heart by Edie Burkell. Special thanks to Hunter Seidman. APM Studios executives in charge are Chandra Kavadi, Alex Schaffert, and Joanne Griffith. Concept developed by Tracy Mumford. Our executive consultant is Dean Capello and Gobsmack Studios. You can always ask for advice at don'tasktig.org. Just write in with your problem or send us a voice memo. Remember to follow us on social media at Don't Ask Tig. Don't Ask Tig is a production of American Public Media. And as always, thanks, Dana, and I'll tell Becky.
Hi, I'm stand-up comedian and sex symbol Tig Notaro. And I'm actor and writer Cheryl Hines. Before Cheryl and I got into the big business of podcasting together, <laughs> we were just simply friends. And we're still friends. But now we talk about a different documentary every week on our podcast, Tig and Cheryl, True Story. So whether you love documentaries or just want to hear us slowly lose our minds, check out Tig and Cheryl, True Story, wherever you get your podcasts. All right, cool. (laughs) 